Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner-Webb University Radio, WGWG, online, WGWG.org. We talk movies uh, right here each week on Cinema Scene, and we're uh, always happy to have special guests. Uh, sometimes we have uh, film critics, sometimes we have filmmakers. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I came across a pretty cool article on uh, superheroes and uh, written by Nicholas Conley. And I reached out to Nicholas Conley and said, I'd love to share that with some film students. I, I think they'd really appreciate it. And we had a few email exchanges and invited him uh, to come and be a part of our show to talk about superheroes. So our guest today, Nicholas Conley, uh, an author, a, uh, a writer, a lover of uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and, and uh, alternate reality. Uh, how are you, Nicholas? I'm pretty good. How about you? Hey, I'm great. I, mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend some time talking with us today here on Cinema Scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, let's, uh, let's let listeners know a little bit about uh, who Nicholas Conley is and a little bit about uh, your background uh, in writing and, and how that love of writing started with you. Uh, well, so I actually started writing when I was just uh, in elementary school because we had creative writing assignments and just writing one or two page stories. And then so I just uh, had never really thought about writing before and ended up writing this 50 page story set in this alternate reality with all this crazy stuff happening. Yeah. And I just knew at that point that that's what I loved doing was writing. So uh, I just kept going from there, and then uh, at this point, I'm a novelist with two uh, novels, and then I write for a lot of online publications and stuff as well, and uh, recently I've been writing superhero articles for Screen Rant. Now, when you, when you started writing back in elementary school, did it come really easy for you? Did these ideas just kind of flow out? Yeah, immediately. Like, I've looked back and realized that so much of uh, what I did for games was usually very creative anyway with uh, siblings and classmates and so on. So the storytelling came so immediately and so naturally that I knew I just loved it. It's pretty cool when you're that young and you you realize, okay, this is something I not only love, but it's something I'm good at. Um, at, Yeah. so at what point did you did you start pursuing it at, at kind of a deeper level? Was it pretty immediately, you know, in, in elementary school, every chance you got you were writing? Uh, yeah, pretty much immediately at that point. I just knew it was what I wanted to do and kept at it, which from what I've gathered in the years since is rare. But That's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty awesome. So uh, you've continued that with, like you said, two novels and continuing to be a contributor for, uh, for online sites um, let's talk about um, your love of superheroes. I'm, I'll bring you back. We'll talk about sci-fi uh, at some other show if, if you're up for that. But let's talk about superheroes and, and what it is about that genre that uh, that has appealed to you uh, early on and that still appeals to you. Uh, so as I said in the uh, article you were mentioning earlier, I think what I initially... I, I remember loving superheroes as far back as I can remember, more or less. But my first memories come back to this one Spider-Man cartoon. And I think and I always had this enormous identification with the character of Spider-Man specifically. I think because I was a very shy, reserved kid, and the character himself was this very shy, reserved, awkward person who could then just shed all his worries aside and become this wise-cracking superhero who beat the bad guys, but wasn't perfect, still had issues in day-to-day life, and would mess up in these ways. And I just identified with that so strongly. 
And then for just as far back as I can remember after that, I just always identified with superheroes so enormously throughout my life. Why do you think it is um, society has continued to be drawn to these stories? Because, um, you know, you've got your superheroes that are definitely your flawed individuals that are your regular Joes when you see them and something unique happens to them. But also you have these other superheroes that are just kind of born with these abilities. And so there's a, there's a, a different dynamic there depending on what that superhero is. But we as a society, we're drawn to it. It's not just kids, but adults as well. Yeah, definitely, because I think that these themes are uh, deep enough most of the time, especially in like the post-Stanley era in the 60s and then leading to today, where you have these people who are genuinely people with real issues or real uh, after-effects to what they do. And uh, <clears throat> as a result, it's not just confined to children, though there's certainly there's a childlike element to it as far as the sense of wonder of what if I had these abilities, and then it's tempered by the adult realism today often. Uh, well, what would the world respond to this like? Or what would happen if you were late to everything all the time because you're out <laughs> stopping criminals or what have you? And I think a lot of it is really just it's the same, same sort of appeal as uh, Greek mythology or that sort of thing where you have these wondrous, enormous, larger-than-life tales that are tempered by this sense of realism. Yeah, you know, you talk about the realism aspect, and when you look at the storylines... Some of the storylines uh, with, with comic books and, and with, with superhero films are really pretty deep, and they're uh, pretty incredible reflections on what happens and what has happened in our society. What are some of those that you think are really important from a storytelling standpoint that, that we've seen in comics or on film? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like specifically, right, uh, the most recent example that comes to mind was uh, the Captain America Civil War, for example, which is on its surface, it's about these two characters, superheroes coming to blows over this issue that they disagree about. But I mean, it's clearly uh, supposed to actually be about the Patriot Act and uh, various political issues that are happening right now, which has also been a big part of uh, Luke Cage, who just came out as a deeply political series and very relevant to today's time. But it's also a superhero show at the same time, <laughs> so it's pretty cool in that way. Yeah, and that's, a, that's something that um, I think sci-fi has always been able to do, and then seeing uh, superheroes and, and comic books do that same thing has been pretty pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, Stan Lee uh, has been involved in that for so long. Do you think that's kind of been that driving force um, because Stan Lee was taking on topics that may have been considered off-limits um, back in the, I mean, you look back in the 60s and look at some of the things Stan Lee was doing. It was pretty pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, absolutely, with the uh, X-Men particularly in that regard, which has the whole civil rights element that's pretty key to it. And then there's this issue of Spider-Man, I think it was in the late, really late 60s, the early 70s, but where Harry Osborn gets a, a drug addiction. And that was it was initially refused by the comics code at the time, and he went ahead and put the issues out anyway because he thought it was important enough to address this concern. It's uh, it's continuing to be interesting to see these things unfold. You know, it's you're breaking boundaries, um, you're 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 pushing the limit and talking about things um, that you don't really think about. It's not just good and evil. Uh, there, there's so much more depth to it. Uh, than that, and and really the the question of 
what is good and what is evil. I mean, we've we've seen that, uh, you know, with with the uh, the kind of the X Men reboot and even the uh, the earlier X Men too. You know, Magneto's character is not really a bad guy when you get right down to it. There's just some things that have kind of pushed him in that level, and I think that's a question that that many of us have had as we've looked at at the Dark Knight and kind of that edge between making the choice for for doing things for good or or making the choice for you know maybe stepping over that line um do you think that it's that that kind of dual nature is kind of an interesting thing of how close we all are to to genius and insanity or good and bad yeah no i think that's definitely a big part of it because you start off with the inherently uh, sort of childlike fantasy of imagine if I had these amazing powers and could just do anything. And then you take it to the element of, well, protect the world, but then you have these sort of real consequences of those actions because one person's version of protecting the world or their own people is different than somebody else's. So Magneto is a good example because in his mind he's very much the hero of the story. He's seeing clearly that his people are being endangered by the giant robots and uh, groups and politics and so on. So in his mind, he's protecting the mutant population. But in the, uh, the aspect of what you see, what he does to do that, it's not very heroic, obviously, but it, it, it creates an interesting narrative. You know, we're, we're at a, a time when it seems like every month or every other month there's a new superhero film Either, yeah. in, either in production or on, in theaters. And, um, you know, do you think that we're going to ever be so oversaturated uh, as, a, uh, as a movie-going society that we're going to just stop going to see them? Um, what, what are your thoughts and takes on that? Um, I used to think so maybe 10 years ago or so, right. back when it was first starting to become that way. But at this point, I think it's moved beyond the original... I think like a decade ago, what you saw often was very much every superhero movie was an origin story, and they tended to repeat a similar sequence of events. A hero gets powers, villain is introduced, and so on. But at this point, I feel like the genre has started to really break out of that to the point where it's become very much its own genre of a more loose variety. Because you, I mean, even though I I did like you have enough. Uh, stuff like the uh, Captain America movie this year was very much a hugely different turn of events from what a normal superhero movie would have been. It's the sort of movie you wouldn't have seen maybe even five years ago. Yeah. You know, I looked at uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, and to me that really felt like it, it crossed the genre. I mean, it, I felt like it was a spy film. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, whenever you can do that, when you can kind of break out of that uh, that mold of what people might expect and do something a little different that can appeal to different people. I mean, that's what's going to bring people in um, to the box office. And ultimately, it is about the business for Hollywood. They're not just doing this for the love of doing it. They want to make money doing it. And, right, um, yeah, the expect- so that's what they're doing it for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you look at the comparison between something like Guardians of the Galaxy and right. The Dark Knight, I mean, putting them in the same genre is very loose enough as it is. Yeah, you know, you're right. They're they're completely different, but yet they came from you know the these same kind of source materials of these, you know, these paperback um, you know uh, books that had uh, you know twenty thirty pages and uh, you know hand drawn pictures, and so they all came from that same area. But yeah, they they've taken it a, a step further. 
you know, this year uh, we had, um, you know, Batman versus Superman back in uh, back in March of 2016, and then uh, then you had uh, Captain America: Civil War, and there were a lot of similarities between those two films. Uh, what are your take on on both of them and uh, the kind of comparisons, but also what what made them different? Uh, so for, I gathered that I'm in the minority, but I actually really like Batman versus Superman. <laughs> but I think that I could see why it didn't uh, have the same level of success. Like what, what I liked about the movie was that you can't, you, if whatever you can say about it, you can't argue that it wasn't a hugely ambitious because it took it, like the the extent that it took the storyline to was kind of unprecedented. But right. I think the reason Captain America: Civil War worked better as a whole is that it allowed there to be moments of levity. So you have the very uh, dark themes, really, regarding the registration. But you have these moments of excitement where you have Ant Man becoming Giant Man or Spider Man swinging around, cracking right. jokes, and so on. Right. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that Marvel has uh, continued to find a way to to do well with is is breaking up those uh, those dark elements with the with the humor. Um, I think right, that, exactly. I, yeah, that was probably one of the biggest complaints I heard from people about the Batman uh, v Superman was just the the dark factor of it. There wasn't any of those light moments to let you catch your breath, and uh, you know, and I don't think there has to be. I, I think there. You know, let let DC do what it wants to do, and let Marvel do what it wants to do. But uh, but fans, as you you know, when, when you're talking about superhero films, people think mm-hmm. one thing or expect one particular thing. But to me, they've not always been alike. Um, you know, when I mean, you look at the uh, the Batman films, uh, the Michael Keaton era, compared to uh, Christopher Nolan's, and they're completely different. You know, they're completely different kinds of films, but they both uh, focus on uh, the same character. Um, so right, exactly. And, I mean, it's good to have a variety in terms of tone because otherwise just to keep things from getting uh, repetitive. But it, it definitely, uh, I think that it, what DC has kind of an uphill battle in that regard anyway because they're trying really hard to make up the ground that Marvel's done. But whereas Marvel kind of did it over the course of, uh, well, when was Iron Man? 2008, I think. Uh, somewhere around then. So they've had a long time to slowly build themselves up to where they are now, whereas DC is trying to break through the gates as fast as they can. So it, it, it varies. I think they're still kind of finding their tone in that regard. Because I, I actually, I, uh, like Batman versus Superman was obviously very dark and bleak, whereas Suicide Squad was something altogether different. Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's uh, you know, DC has found great success on TV. I mean, they they pretty much own uh, the superhero uh, market from a from a television standpoint. Uh, you know, yeah, that's and, definitely true. Uh, and and then of course, you know, Marvel's found um, they found another outlet by going. Uh, I mean, they've got Agents of Shield, and they've got another show that they've they've done some things with. But Netflix, that partnership with Netflix, has really produced. I think some really interesting uh, and adult takes on these superheroes when you look at what they've done with, uh, you mentioned Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and, uh, and Daredevil, and kind of building that. Uh, that's a really interesting, uh, interesting thing that they're doing, I think, and uh, some, some quality work. And then, of course, adding, uh, introducing the Punisher um, as a part of that as well. And you've got Iron Fist. And so the Netflix partnership is really an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. That's I think what they've done really successfully through the Netflix is that 
they've broadened the cinematic Marvel universe in this enormous way they couldn't have just done through the movies. Because the movies tend to be, they, they've sort of cornered, with the movies it's much more Avengers-focused, which is to say it's, you have these big explosive outcomes and these citywide destructions and alien invasions and stuff, and that's fitting when you're dealing with a character like Iron Man or what have you. But with the Netflix shows, because of this slight differentiation of it's a series versus a movie, it's lower budget, they're able to have these really grounded uh, storylines and characters that... Uh, like Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and so on, which creates a much more multi-dimensional world. I think one of the things we're starting to see with superhero films is it's like clay, like a clay pot that you're trying to mold. And we're seeing things continue to change, continue to transform, continue to be different. I mean, I look at what we, we do have with the Netflix uh, superheroes, but also I look at what's happening with the X-Men series and Logan uh, that we're going to be seeing in theaters and uh, kind of a different take on on that particular uh, superhero and, and, and how we as audiences approach that uh, from a realism standpoint sometimes and looking at, uh, at things differently. What are your expectations as we're going forward with, um, with you know, superhero films um, in the uh, in the future, uh, what do you what do you think we're going to be seeing different? What do you think we're going to be seeing that's that's similar? Well, I think there's going there's going to be much more uh, divergent takes coming up. I think because it's going to have to do new things with the genre, and we're kind of seeing that right now. I think with Doctor Strange coming out next week, because that's going to be it, just be just the themes alone and the ideas are so immensely different since we're dealing with all these alternate universes and magic-based stuff and so on now. And then probably more experimental concepts, like I think the uh, uh, Batman versus Superman and Civil War and Suicide Squad all kind of show that, because none of those are the standard superhero origin story or the superhero sequel format. They're all wildly different plots that we haven't seen before. Are there things that you're hoping for? that uh, that maybe we haven't uh, seen on screen or things that uh, maybe haven't been talked about yet? Are there things in the future that you would love to see? Uh, let's see. Um, well, Doctor Strange is a big one. That was, uh, that was one that I was really looking forward to happening because it seemed so far off. Um, there's a lot, I'd, I'd like to see a lot of the more second-string characters come onto the screen, too. Like, I have a... Uh, I'm very fond of this character called Deathlock from the 70s. He's right. a cyborg from yeah. the post-apocalyptic future. Um, uh, a bunch of those characters I'd be really excited to see so, um, come to the screen in some form. Now you mentioned Strange. What is it about Doctor Strange that appeals to you? Um, I think with Doctor Strange, it's the not just the, the visuals are a big part of it, though it's a lot more than that, but it's the whole... Uh, opening up this other world of the of the multiverse, <laughs> I guess. Right. Yeah. There's something very iconic and unique and weird about it in a way that is not going to fit into any sort of conventional box, I think. Um, what do you want to, uh, to let uh, folks out there know about uh, superheroes that then maybe they don't feel drawn to superheroes because they've got in their mind what it should be? Um, you know, maybe they've never seen a superhero film. 
what what do you do to convince those folks to take a look that it's not just uh, you know something off of a, a spinning rack at a drugstore from like nineteen you know eighty one? Um, I'd say the first thing is to uh, realize that it's not just a box and everything is the same and it's a repetition of the same idea over and over again and that there's, it's a very multi-dimensional genre where there's so many different takes on so many different ideas. So then it would be sort of figuring out what themes appeal to them because there's a lot of different themes that could be explored. So if it's like something like uh, Luke Cage is a great example where I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily be drawn to superheroes as they know them, but would watch a Luke Cage and be like, wow, okay, wait, this is good. And it's just about figuring out, it's sort of like when someone says they're not a reader and you say, well, what are you reading? And yeah. Find a book that appeals to them. Right, right. Well, uh, Nicholas Connolly, our guest here on Cinema Scene uh, website, Nicholas Connolly. Dot com. Where else can people find you and your work? Is that the best place for people to go, Nicholas? Uh, yeah, that's definitely the best place, uh, nicholasconley.com. <laughs> okay, uh, there they can find um, access to your books, blog, uh, contact information, essays and articles, and, uh, and, and even a bio and much, much more. Um, any final thoughts or final uh, comments you want to share with our audiences about, uh, about superheroes and the genre? Um, just, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes from here and what the direction of and how much uh, bigger it can get. Good deal. Nicholas, thanks so much for taking the time to spend with us here on Cinema Scene. Uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. And until uh, next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Nicholas Connolly. This is Cinema Scene on Gardner-Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. Until next time, that is a wrap.